I can feel him and his, his heart is racing 100 mile an hour. I don't want this, I don't want to be part of it and the guy goes too late. That Sunday he didn't come home. What happened? They said he jumped out of the car and they can't find him. It means everything to me. Let someone know you're out there, let us know you're safe. There's so many different stories from there. I don't know what's true and what's not true. Zach was last seen wearing a faded blue singlet, dark blue board shorts. Do you need help? Like, you're okay? Where are you? I'm not going to get hurt, but my friend will. Was he trying to help somebody? And just in my gut, just everything dropped out. Like, you know, about to start bursting in tears. Even then, my head was like, nah, it can't be, it can't be. <laughs> Get to the police station now. Get there now. I believe that um, somebody has hurt Zach. You've been here. What have you done? What have you found? You've been out here with the dogs. And they're like, no, we haven't. And I said, well, someone's been here. I feel him. I smell him. And um, I dream about him. Zach's the first thing I think of in the morning when I wake up and he's the last thing I think of at night. For him to disappear without a trace, how does that happen? Every year in Australia, over 38,000 missing persons reports are submitted to police. A long-term missing person is someone who's been missing for more than three months. In Australia, there's over 2,600 of them. Zach Barnes has now been missing for three years. From the Missing Persons Podcast Network, what happened to Zach? So we've just leaving Newcastle Airport. Uh, Newcastle's a couple of hours away from Sydney to the north. So this area, uh, Newcastle, is is like a regional town in Australia. Um, it's the sort of town where you have to sort of get off the plane onto the tarmac. And it's also where you'll find uh, the international airport and the domestic airport are actually the same terminal. So it's a pretty small town. We're heading to um, Medford, uh, which has about 5,000 people that live in it. It's a suburb of an area called Maitland, which has just over 70,000 people. Turn right onto Kindler Way. It's about 30 minutes away. That's where Karen lives now and where Karen lived when Zach went missing. Use any lane to turn left onto Pacific Highway A1. So the Pacific Highway is the main road that takes you from Newcastle to Sydney. So we're just going past an exit uh, on the motorway for a place called Thornton, which is actually the place where Zach 
was reported to jump out of a car and run off and was never seen again at 8 o'clock on a Sunday night. Your destination is on the left. Well, here we are, we're at Karen's house. Um, we're just going to go in, introduce ourselves and have a chat. She's waving at the front door, so here we are. I'm Jay. Hey, Jay. We've even got some uh, biscuits. I'll cool. just grab my bag. I'll put the kettle on. Yeah, okay, great. Out the front of the house, a new deck's being built by Mick, Karen's husband, who's Zach's stepdad. As we enter the house, the hallway looks really familiar. I realise it's the backdrop to the missing person's image of Zach that's been plastered on notice boards and websites since 2016. Karen makes us a coffee in her kitchen while I stand at the breakfast bar making small talk. Looks like you've had a bit of rain, I say. Sounds like a stupid thing to talk about when her son's been missing for three years. We continue the small talk, but really, I want to get a picture of family life in this home. How long have you lived uh, this way for? Um, we've been here about 12. I was a single mum for a yep. long time. Uh-huh. Um, so very close with the four boys. Yep. Um, and then we met Mick. And then, yeah, so we've become a bit, like, united family from then. And Mick stepped in as the boys' dad because their dad was out of the picture. Yep. And, yeah, then we had two more girls. So, wow. So Fantastic. it was like... If you want me, four boys, there's no more kids. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay, no worries, because he didn't have any. And then, um, yeah, as soon as he put the ring on, there was a little accident. <laughs> so I cried. Yep. He shouted to the world. Yeah. And so that was six kids living in this house for a period of time. And how many still live here? At the moment, 92, the two little girls. Come and say hello. Hi, I'm Jay. And this is Michaela. How old are you? Eleven. Okay, and you're? Ten. Oh, this is Cody. Cody! Thank you, darling. Thank you. Hey, buddy. Cody is Zach's older brother. At the time of Zach's disappearance, Cody was 21, and Zach had just celebrated his 18th birthday. Cody walks in the front door and is instantly jumped on by his little sisters. It's the sort of embrace that only happens in a loving family. He has no shoes on and has come from a hard day of work as a brickie, doing the same job Zach was doing in 2016. The love for his family is evident in how he is with his sisters and how he interacts with his mum, Karen. While Karen and I chat about Cody's work, he cleans his feet in the bath and goes to the fridge for the end of the day, VB. A strong connection to Zach that we'll find out about later. Karen and I sit on the couch with our cuppers and some bickies and start to chat. Cody's nearby and the two girls are in another room watching a movie while outside some light rain is falling and the birds are chirping. So early family life in the household... Um I was a single mum for a long time 
and we had four boys, so Zach was number three out of the four. And life was busy, life was loud, and um, he was always the little character. Out of all four of them, Zach would probably be, as a toddler or a, a small child, be the one latched to my leg. And the sort of the protective one, but sort of the closest to me. Uh, he liked things to be orderly. He had a very strong will. And I often used to joke with Zach that I have to do the hard yards now um, to shape him to be the man I want him to be because when he gets a teenager, life's going to be crazy if I don't. <laughs> and what I mean by that is if Zach was having a bad day or and throwing a tantrum like an often a two or three year old would, Zach would give in when he wanted to give in, <laughs> not when um, I wanted to. So he could be in a, a temper tantrum and I would send him to his bed to go to have a little nap. And most children would wake up totally refreshed, but not Zach. He would wake up and he'd still be in the same mood if it wasn't sorted <laughs> before he actually went to sleep. So, yeah, he was always um, a handful to manage. But, yeah, no, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, man, it was wild when we were younger for sure. Bloody four young boys in the house together, single mum. So he used to run a, run a hell of a mark. Well, his big brothers adored him. So he he was involved in all of their play and um, he just was a, like a little brother following his big brothers everywhere and and um, it was lots of fun. I remember one day I was looking out of my kitchen window and we had a big hills hoist clothesline. Oh, yeah, we bloody took all the trucks off our skateboards and that, got them on the top of the old clotheslines. We had Zach and I think the youngest brother, he bloody down the bottom of ropes tied to him, just sprinting circles to get me and Joe had a bit of a surf on the clothesline. And they were laughing and giggling and all I could think of was, I'm going to be at the hospital any minute. <laughs> Closest human I'll ever be with him in my entire life, I know that, you know what I mean? It was that sort of relationship, I knew that then. Their dad was my childhood sweetheart and, um, you know, as you think life's going to be perfect and forever, but he took a different path to us and um, drugs were involved in that and I didn't want that for myself or the boys, so we left that environment and they, they were disappointed. Even though he went down a different path, I never wanted to hold their dad back from them. I wanted them to make the decision in the in the long term and, and Zach did. He chose not to have anything to do with him. Zach was only a little boy so um, it was quite turbulent in the early years so there was certainly rejection from him um, and I guess that's why Mick was welcomed so greatly later um, in the years because he was a strong character that he wanted to follow. Mick and I sort of met and I was thinking, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a keeper. And we sort of caught him for about three months before we introduced him to the kids. So we decided to have a family date. Oh, my God. It was the date from hell. I thought <laughs> Mick would run 100 miles away. Um, now, 
we went to McDonald's and you know how that gym I think Zach, Zach was seven Zach climbed to the top he was like the kid and, and Mick's like oh my god is this mother gonna tell this kid not to, to do that and he was not a, listening at all we went to the movies um he wouldn't even sit with us he sat rows down the back and and he was really testing Mick because you know like his dad had left us so I'm not letting you into my life if I know that you're going to leave again sort of thing and mm -hmm. and he wouldn't have anything to do with him and then we're driving home we're in the car oh my god this child said words I didn't even know he knew it's like are oh, you F and C you know like so explicit and, and again like Mick and I just sitting in the car like so quiet I'm thinking he's never coming back and like he's thinking oh my god how does this kid even know these words anyway he dropped us off and then he left and I'm like you bloody little shit you know he was a good one you've scared him he's never coming back and he's like I'm quite proud of myself <laughs> and um Mick came back to my um surprise and then, so he started hanging around again, and Zach goes, so, how come Mick comes here and we don't go to his house? Like, what's he hiding, you know? Seven, mind you. And um, so I rang Mick, I said, oh, Zach wants to see where you live. So he goes, yeah, sure. So he, he came, Zach walked straight in, and he goes, hmm, really nice house. What do you do for a job? <laughs> <laughs> and then, after, you know, when he realised Mick wasn't going anywhere, they become best of buds, so... Zach the protector. Yeah, very much protector of um, his mum. Zach was really influenced um, by the friends he had. So if he was in the bad crew, he was the leader of the bad crew. And um, if he was the best, well, then he he did well. He would always tell you about every proud moment and how everyone loved him and the thing was, it was pretty much true. So, yeah, he was um, not shy to tell someone how great he was. He was a little bit vain. <laughs> he was never shy of attention from the girls and um, compliments. And again, he knew it. Um, his little sisters are quite funny. Um, one of the songs they remember Zach by even now is um, Megan Trainer. If you were me, you'd want to be me too or something. And it talks about how gorgeous and how cool he is and they often sing that and go that's so Zach. <laughs> he had a lot of friends in a lot of different circles it was quite amazing he um he could gel with anybody he wasn't afraid to stand up for someone who was being bullied um you know so he would intercede and they would become his friend and he'd, he'd make a circle around that I think it was about 18 he was coming back from TAFE and they called into this pub at Waratah and he was just, you know, always walking with his shoulders back and very confident young man and he seen this elderly gentleman sitting at the bar and there was a, another, another guy in his 40s and they were sort of having a very assertive conversation and Zach walked straight up to the, the guy and said, hey, leave my grandfather alone <laughs> and interceded and, and tried to protect and they both cracked up laughing and they said, oh, this is actually my, um, <laughs> my um, nephew. And, but then they had a bit of a laugh and said, well, thanks for sticking up for him. And they'd had a beer. And he would go sit with the old chaps and listen to their stories. And That story of kindness is something that just happened to us 
as we arrived today. We thought we'd go and get some, some biscuits from the local bakery down at Metford. So I just went to get some biscuits uh, and some cake at the bakery in Metford. And the young girl that served me was, I don't know, 20, 21. And, um, and so I just asked the question, did you know Zach Barnes? And she looked at me, um, actually with really sad eyes. I went, yeah, I did. And I said, how'd you know him? And she said, oh, we went to the same high school and I fainted once at high school and, and he helped me until the teachers came. She didn't know him that well, but she knew him enough that, to know that he was, was a pretty kind boy. Another time, Zach, you know, he he will stand up to authority if it's right. His little brother was at high school. He was in about year seven. And this big a kid um, in year nine was a bully and had picked on Liam in the library and actually sort of got him to the point where he was choking and it was quite a severe um, situation. And Liam was suspended and the other boy was suspended, but nothing seemed to be done about it. And Zach didn't think that was the right thing to do. He he didn't think that the school had um, punished this boy enough, so he just went up and sorted it out himself. Wow. And hence to say, Liam was never bullied again. <laughs> <laughs> he loved the beach. You know, boogie boarding was um, one of his favourite things. Yeah, just generally hanging out with his mates and, and playing rugby league. So then he was a Newcastle Knights fan, was he? No, much to most people's dismay. <laughs> Zach was an avid Storm supporter and he was not um, afraid to let anyone know. So was there a connection to Melbourne in any way for Zach? Like many 18-year-olds, you know, the, the beer to drink is Victorian bitter. You know, everywhere he went, he would be, you know, drink one, whether it was out of a work boot um, or sculling it to compete, you know, in a drinking competition. And he loved it so much, much to my dismay, he went out and got a tattoo. <laughs> and um, he's got the Victorian beer label on the back of his right calf muscle. <laughs> and um, I nearly had a heart attack when I seen it because, of course, he didn't tell me he was doing it. And, um, yeah, he wore it very proud. So, and actually now today that's one of his identifying marks. As he sort of headed towards 17, 18, he, he started to create his own bit of a look and it was sort of down the hippie, trendy sort of line. He grew his hair out to have dreadlocks, you know, and um, he liked to be bright and different. So, um yeah, I often used to look at his hair and go, can I just cut that off? <laughs> so the photo that is on the missing persons um, bureau uh, and with the police, the one that's sort of everywhere, and I've got a copy of it here just to show you this one, which is the clean cut, Zach, I guess. Yep. When was that taken? That was taken about three weeks before he disappeared. He was a bricklayer f for work, so his hair would always be full of concrete dust and and um, it was getting quite long and, and it was starting to get hot. And it was like weeks leading up to that, we would, he'd say, Mum, can you help me cut my dreadlocks or, you know, comb them out? It was hilarious um, because if he, he didn't want to just cut it all and have a crew cut. So we would sit there an hour at a time 
combing one dreadlock out at a time. And then he showed me a hairstyle and he said, oh, Mum, this is the haircut I want. And we went together and, and he got that nice haircut. And um, I was so in awe. He looked so handsome. Once he had that nice cut, I was like, oh, I'm paying for the haircut, Zach. And, yeah, it was such a funny moment. And he's sitting in the car and he's doing these selfies. And I think everyone on Snapchat would have got a photo of him. Like, um, yeah, it was, that's the last haircut he had, yeah. As he sort of went from 17 to mid-18, he started to get very social and, you know, it was lots of parties and he was a young man then. He was earning his own income and um, had lots of friends and we rarely seen him on the weekend. Pretty much we would only see him to get changed or shower or feed <laughs> if he was home. Um, he, I used to encourage him that if he was out with his friends and they were having a great time and, and they were drinking not to try and get home if he didn't have to. Like, I I was pretty protective. Like, I didn't want him getting in a car with drunk, drunken kids and, and things like that. So it wasn't unusual that I wouldn't see him at all over the weekend. But like clockwork, every Sunday, he would walk through the front door and um, about lunchtime, and he would be starving or hungover or need a change of clothes and um, needed recovery time after having such a fun time with his friends, ready for work on, on the Monday. And that was one of the things that triggered um, looking for him because that Sunday he didn't come home. In the next episode. What happened? They said he jumped out of the car and they can't find him. I don't understand how we went from not knowing where he was all weekend to be able to locate him within an hour to then never be able to locate him again. He meant everything to me. There's so many different stories from there. I don't know what's true and what's not true. Just, in my gut, just everything dropped out. Like, you know, about to start bursting in tears. Even though my head was like, no, nah, it can't be, it can't be. Mum, get to the police station now. Get there now. What happened to Zach? If you have information that could help police, call Crime Stoppers on 1800 333 000. A Missing Persons Podcast Network production. Produced by Mark Hales. Sound design by Tiffany Dimack. Hosted by Jay Walkerton.